If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of We're Talking Shift. We are going to shift the focus to our kids on today's episode. With everything that has been happening over the past year, year plus, uh, they have been massively affected all ages, uh, a whole new, I guess, crop of challenges have, have come up. And uh, many parents, I think, are having a really hard time talking to their kids about current events and explaining what's going on, not even just in our own country, but across the globe now. Um, I, know that, I know that many of you are parents, and so I thought that I'd bring in an expert to give you some guidance on how to talk to your kids, how to encourage them to talk to you, and how to determine when they're ready to hear certain things. So my guest today, I'm so excited to have her on, is Florence Ann Romano, AKA the Windy City Nanny. So I'm sure many of you are already quite familiar with her. She is also an author, a philanthropist, and a childcare advocate who has always had a special place in her heart for children. Florence Ann worked as a nanny for over 15 years and believes the key to a family's success lies in focusing on what she calls the trifecta, parent, child, and the caretaker working in unison together toward common family goals. Florence Ann is the co-host of the podcast, Finger Painting the Future, and the YouTube series, Windy City Nanny. Her children's book, Nanny and Me, prepares children for the transition from being cared for solely by their parents to having a nanny in their home. She has been featured on many national programs, including Home and Family, The Doctor and the Diva, Fox News, Good Day Chicago, WGN, The Jenny McCarthy Show, Sirius XM, and a ton more. So I am very excited to have you here. Welcome, Florence Ann. Hi, what an introduction. My goodness, I'm sitting here about to faint because you're just so sweet. It's it's funny when a person hears all of those things. It's like wow. Sometimes you just don't realize how fabulous you are until oh somebody reads the list. I don't know. I don't know if I feel fabulous or just tired. <laughs> right. right. I don't know. But I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be able to talk about this and bring light to this. It's just so topical right now, and I know every parent out there is like, okay, what do I do? Because this is uncharted territory in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. There are there are so many things that I think um, you know we kind of had a a model for a paradigm for you know before, and right. now all of a sudden it's like like all the rules are out right. and the floodgates of everything are wide open and no one is immune, right. including even our youngest little our little ones, and yes. that's that's a scary thing in a lot of ways and for sure there are so many people that are like whoa i i didn't think i'd be in this posi position or having to have this conversation you know now let alone right. some of it ever but a lot right. of it you know right at, at these young younger ages so i want to talk through um like the the trouble that parents may be having explaining to their kids what is going on right. in our country and why Right. So I thought if it's okay with you, we would kind of focus on three general areas and we'll just see where they take us. Yeah. I want to talk about discernment, like what to believe, who to believe, because they're getting a lot of conflicting information. Right. 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 Um, demonstrating, like parents' behavior, being the example, what, what should you be demonstrating to them? And then the, the other um, piece would be discussions, like determining what age or what is age appropriate, um, and then how to encourage their kids to talk to them. Right. So let's, uh, let's start with discernment. Um, how do we help them understand that 
everything that they hear on TV, you know, the news, social media, um, teachers, friends. I mean, it's coming at them from all ways. How do we help them understand that all of that stuff uh, from friends and other adults, it's not necessarily always accurate. It's not necessarily always the truth or all of the facts, right? Mm -hmm. How do they sort through it all? I think it's funny when we talk about how do we sort through the truth with our children when I think as adults, we have a hard time sorting through the truth as well. We are bombarded with media every day, depending on the channel you're watching or listening to or whatever it is. It feels like the world is full of more opinions than facts. These yeah. Days. And so how, where, where do you find that discernment? What is factual? Well, someone may say, you know, the Chicago Tribune is what I think is factual. And then someone else says, no, I think the Chicago Sun-Times is what's factual. So the idea of discerning where you find your information, generally it's going to come down to who you agree with and who has your values or your point of view. Now, we're not supposed to live in a world where we only listen to the people that speak the same language as us and feel the same things as us and view the same things the same way as we do. We're supposed to be this melting pot for a reason. We're supposed to look at the world and think, what can we learn from over here and this nook and cranny and all of that. But we live in such a polarizing world now in so many ways that I think we're all retreating to what feels comfortable. So how do we talk to our children about where do you find the facts? And unfortunately, that's going to come down to your household and the values of your household. Now, you may decide as the parent, I'm going to raise my kid with these values, these ideals, these principles. And as they get older, they can start making decisions for themselves, thinking for themselves about certain things, but I'm going to give them this foundation. Mm -hmm. Now, it gets difficult when the kids get older, when they start questioning what it is that you have taught them because they heard something at school from such and such, or they heard from someone else's parents, or they right. saw something on TV. How do you have a conversation with them about someone else's point of view that's different from yours? And so for me, it's not so much how do you find the facts because we're going to have a ton of media and publications to choose from. And I don't always believe everything I read and every single thing right. I'm reading. Like I right. said, more opinions than facts today. Mm -hmm. um, but teaching your children how to research, teaching your children that you have to see different sides of an argument or a story or a situation or a circumstance, teaching your child that being educated is the power, using their mind is the power, and listening to people is the power and understanding that you're going to have to sometime agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to come from a place of kindness and come from a place of tolerance and come from a place of understanding and also um, an open mind and an open heart. Doesn't mean you have to agree with the person. But yeah. I think those values are what's important to me in terms of laying that foundation for discernment. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're right. I mean, especially you have to really, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit when we get into the more particulars about discussion, but the age that they are, it really matters, right? I mean, you right. are, you know, at a certain age, right, you really want to encourage them to do some research and learn how to use their brains right. and use their capabilities. But then there are certain younger ages where they're not quite prepared to do that yet. So, right. right. So there's that. Yeah. Right. My All dad right. always said that you always want to know just a little bit enough to be dangerous. And I love that because that's in my life. I'm always like, I'm never going to be an expert at everything, but I always wanted to be that girl that in any social situation, you could drop me in and I could have an intelligent conversation. Yeah. Not that anyone would have to think that I'm an expert in that field, but that right. you can speak intelligently, argue intelligently about mm -hmm. something. When you see people have conversations, 
conversations and they're not arguing intelligently or coming from a place of any sort of substance, that's when you start to lose respect for the argument that you're having or even the person themselves. Mm -hmm. Because you want to be able to come to the table and be educated about it, be informed about it. So Mm -hmm. if we can teach our children that, again, education is power, being informed is power, and being open to those give and take conversations, I think that's the best way for us mm-hmm. to eventually get to a place where kids feel they're they're ready for the real world. They're ready when they're older to be able to go out there and be a an active member of society and also a kind member of society. I think kindness yeah. is key today. I, I'm so glad you said that because that does seem to be um, a, a massively missing link in all of the discourse that's going on. Um, yeah, and we'll, I think we'll circle back around to that too, um, because it's, it's so important when you can't have uh, respect and kindness, right. everything just devolves and the, and the importance of the subject at hand just gets lost. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So, okay. Demonstrating, what can you tell parents? What would you like them to know about how their energy and their reactions can affect their kids? This is a big hot button topic for me because I grew up in a household, a multi-generational household. I was mm. old school Italian. Her, my grandparents lived with us growing up, my mom's parents. So I had my mom, my dad, my nana, my papa. I'm the oldest of four kids. You know, we had a loud, lots of people in the house. And my parents are extremely opposite. My dad was a yeller and my mom never did. Mom would just give you the eyes, just some big eyes, and you knew you were in trouble. <laughs> so you just run the other way. Um, so I, I, I learned a lot from both my parents about communication and the expression of emotion because they both did that differently. But fast forwarding to my adult life, what I've noticed, especially with how polarizing politics have gotten, and I'm, I am not, like if you went on my Instagram, I'm not a political person. I don't speak about politics in any way, shape or form, unless it has to do with children. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I can talk about kids. But, yeah. um, but what I noticed and noticed recently um, is that children are aware of their parents when they are shouting at the TV or writing something angry, they're picking up on that energy. And I know parents don't wanna believe that they're not paying attention or it's not affecting them. And the best way I can describe it is when you have a newborn baby and the baby's crying and crying and crying and you're holding that baby and you cannot soothe this baby for anything. Mm -hmm. And then your friend comes over and takes that baby from you and the baby stops crying. And the mom looks at you and thinks this kid hates me. It's my fault, you know? And and that's not it. Your child doesn't hate you, but your child does pick up on the energy because you're nervous that you can't soothe her that's what's making her nervous too. So children are the same. They absorb that their whole lives. We as adults do the same thing. We pick up on the energy around us, on the feeling of the room. And so when you're screaming at the TV, you're sending a very clear message to your child that when you disagree with something, that screaming and yelling about it or cussing or whatever you want to do is the right way to react. I'm not saying minimize your feelings or don't teach children to have feelings or express themselves, but understand that they're watching how you react. You are their first teacher in life and you will always be their teacher in some capacity. So I'm kind of asking everyone to do that gut check moment with Mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. How do I react when things don't go my way? Mm -hmm. Or how do I react when I'm triggered in some way? Again, I'm not saying don't have a reaction or don't even have an emotional reaction. I'm saying react in a way that would make your child proud in a way that you'd want your child to react to. Yeah, yeah. I would say uh, react responsibly. (laughs) Just, right? I mean- Yeah, react responsibly. React responsibly. React uh, to your point. I mean, how do you want them to respond to things? Right. Um, And- and I think that it's so uh, it's so easy for people to forget, like if they think back to when they were children. Right. I know, like for me, if I think back to, you know, if my dad walked in the room and he was upset or frustrated or angry about something, he didn't even have to say anything and you felt it, right? right? You feel yeah. the energy as a child, you know, something's, something's not right here. 100%. So yeah, and I think probably almost every, 
adult had that experience, if not with their own parents, with somebody else in one way, shape or form when they were kids. So if you just think back and remember that you will go, oh yeah, you know what, that's true. And you can even, you know, you don't even have to be a child to pick up on it. You can pick up on it as an adult in any situation, you can feel other people's energy. But to your point, kids are really, I think even more sensitive to it. Um, They're just like little sponges and, and we're all, you know, we're all these vibrating masses of energy. So so we're, we're picking up on each other's frequency and, and they are absorbing all of that, not yeah. to mention observing your behavior and yes. your behavior, right, is teaching them how to behave. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it's funny to me because we always say, you know, we want our kids to behave a certain way, but we also have to understand that we can't say these are rules for thee, but not for me. You know, you have to to walk the same walk and talk the same talk. I think it's, it's easy for us to say, act this way. And then they see you doing something that's contradictory to that. So you have to find a way to be that example. And I'm not saying you're going to do it perfectly every time you're not going to do it perfectly. Probably half the time. Failure is not a dirty word. I always say failure is the other F word. It's, you know, no one wants to fail. Everything has to be perfect. You know, parents put all this pressure on themselves to be the perfect parent, to do the perfect thing, to have the perfect kids, whatever it is. And and that perfection just doesn't exist. And so Mm -hmm. in this conversation as well, please give yourself some grace and know that you're not going to do this perfectly every time. And you're going to have emotional outbursts, just like your child is going to. Mm -hmm. It's just that if you can be conscious of it, that awareness changes the whole vibration. And I think that's all I'm asking parents to do is have that awareness because you'll see things change if you do. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really, really a key piece. I think that um, a lot of people, a lot of people, are, people are aware, but there are a lot of people that aren't taking that into consideration at all. And it's it can just really shift the dynamics if you just become consciously aware of it. Perfect. So, okay, um, I know that you don't get into the political stuff, and and we're not going to do that. But I have a question about about how to help your um, your older kids that are picking up on this. So, I mean, naturally, most parents, as we spoke about a few minutes ago, they, they want their kids usually to share their political views. Um, and we, we all think our way is the better way, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have teens who are receiving info from a lot of different sources, and some of it is, you know, it's, it's varied. Some of it right. may be very one-sided, obviously, to put it mildly. So, sure. right. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be respectful and delicate here. Exactly. But so how how would you suggest that parents maybe guide them without overly influencing them? Like when they're at that age, you know, teenagers, they're 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 there. They're getting it because they're also getting it, you know, from so many sources now. So in, in what ways can parents encourage their kids to form their thoughts and decisions about the topics, you know, the current events that that aren't coming from a place of fear or guilt. And I think, you know, you you referenced earlier that, of course, we can encourage them to to do their own research and try to find opposing views. So, you know, so that they've got a, a wealth of information from mm-hmm. all angles. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that, that, and I think that's definitely, absolutely an important piece. But when you are, what if you're like the outlier and you're like, oh, I don't really feel like I agree with 99% of the people I'm around or my peers or whatever. Sure. How to, you know, just giving them some some tips maybe on how to not feel guilt or shame about not agreeing with the crowd. I think that's also a big part of the climate we live in today that certain people don't want to voice their opinions because they feel like they're wrong or they're going to be shamed for it. And so I think when you do feel uh, that you are standing out for the wrong reasons, um, you kind of have to take the temperature of the room. How open is this group? to Mm -hmm. hearing my side of it. Do I feel like this is a safe space for me to have a conversation? Sometimes it's not worth it. Sometimes you don't want to get in that fight. Sometimes you don't want that negative energy. You don't want to be that Mm -hmm. center of attention. You don't want to stick out in that way. 
my, that would be my advice to mm -hmm. anyone out there that, you know, if you feel compelled to voice your opinion, you can always do it in a way that is respectful. You can always do it in a way um, that is, that, that you can take pride in that moment that for how you handled yourself, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but it's, it's, it is about reading the room. I honestly, yes. and I, I think that's kind of how I operate my life. Like sometimes I'll be with a group of people and they'll be talking about something and they are totally on one side of the political spectrum. And I'm over here totally alone in mind. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be quiet. I don't want to start a fight. And right. I don't, and it's sad because you wonder, are they going to judge me? Are they mm -hmm. going to think less of me because of how I feel? Because I'm not falling in line with them. Mm -hmm. And then we open up this can of worms to how you develop friendships and how you develop safe friendships. And are you only going to be friends with people that think the same way you do? And, mm -hmm. you know, so it's teaching children about relationships also. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important lesson right from the sandbox about how do you create these relationships and why are you friends with people that have different points of view of you than you and look different than you and all of that because that's what makes a big eclectic beautiful life and we all should benefit from each other's differences but right now especially everything is so heightened that I think everyone's afraid to step to the right, step to the left, step to the back, to the front, because am I going to do something wrong, offend someone? Right. It's hard. So we are raising children right now that our children, at least that, that can understand in a very, very turbulent environment that's very sensitive too. So I think when you, you know, there's that old saying, when you don't know what to do, you should sit still. And I think sometimes that it is the best advice is to sit still, listen, mm -hmm. learn, educate yourself. But then going back to these older kids, for me, it was always a communication thing with my parents. My mom was always much easier to talk to about things that maybe were different than how we were raised than my dad. My dad was strict. My dad, it was his way or the highway. And so I never felt comfortable talking to my dad about things that I was questioning mm -hmm. because I felt like he would say that I was being bad, you mm -hmm. know? And so this can go deeper into, you know, you know, uh, you know, childhood stuff. So right. I would go to my mom for those conversations. So for, for my advice to you parents is never let your children feel like they can't come to you in any way, shape or form. There are parents that do not want to talk to their children about the birds and the bees. They don't want to say it, that it makes them uncomfortable. And then in my mind, I think, do you want them to go learning from the internet or from someone else that's not going to give them proper information? So you know, that's a very extreme version of this, but the idea that you parents are their safe place, you are those people that will sit there and listen to them and talk through something with them. That's the most you could, that's the most valuable thing you can do for your children. I know for me, that relationship with my mother was a lifesaver in so many ways because yeah. she never made me feel judged never made me feel shamed, never made me feel like I was doing something wrong. She was in the business of listening to me and helping try to shed light on stuff too. And having a give and take conversation. Mm -hmm. So if you can do that as a parent and put your own stuff aside, cause that's your stuff. If you're going to sit there and get mad at your child for daring to question something, they're not sitting there telling you that they disagree with you or that they think the way you raised them was wrong. They're asking to to be educated, they're asking mm -hmm. for you to help them understand. Right. So I, I think parents sometimes have to take a step back from their own kind of fog and yeah. think, you know, uh, you know, my child is a disappointment to me because they're not being, they're not, they're not me. Mm -hmm. They're not supposed to be you. You right. know, you gave them their foundation, and now you're going to help them grow to be this this version of whoever they are, not a mini version of you. So that's probably on a, that's probably on a different tangent right now, but it all kind of encapsulates this idea yeah. of communication. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all connected. Um, I, I can relate to your experience too, girl. I had that same experience. Mom was the one that could switch into, take her mom hat off and take her, you know, teacher, put her teaching hat on or her friendship hat on, you know what I mean? And you could have, you could feel comfortable talking about things, but 
Yeah, dad, that was a different story, right? <laughs> so, I probably could have a separate conversation about that that would go on hours. <laughs> right, right, right. So we'll, yeah. we'll have to bring you back on for that one. But but yeah, so if, if you are a two-parent family mm-hmm. and you know as adults, you can look at each other and go, you know what, this is, I'm not good at this. You, you know, it's okay for one to take the lead. Of I mean, some, one is better than none, right? And it doesn't have to be a parent either. The village is big. I hope your village is big and your tribe right. is full of people. You know, I I have learned so many different things from the people in my village. And, and, and my mother, of course, is my best friend. But I also know that my mom depended on her parents, my Nana and Papa, to be part of my stability, my education, my foundation, my values. So you parents give yourself a little bit of a break here to think that you have to be the be all and the end all to them, that you have to have the answers to every single question, that you have to know how to guide them perfectly through every scenario. Absolutely not. That's why you have friends and family and people you lean on. So you can turn to them and be like, I have no clue how to address this issue. I don't have any experience with it in my life. Can you help me figure out the words or can you be with me when I have this conversation or, Hey, can she talk to you? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's mm-hmm. village. That's what I think at least that childhood and raising children is about. It's about the whole. Right. Oh, I love that. That's, that's so true. I mean, use your resources, right? Yeah. It, it, like you said, if you are fortunate enough to have that, if you have as parents, you know, brothers or sisters or or your parents are there so that your children have aunts and uncles or cousins right. or grandparents or best friends that can help you tag them in, right? Take advantage. Tag, you're it. Yeah. <laughs> you deal with this situation. It, it doesn't and, make you a bad parent. Doesn't make you makes you a great one. Makes it, you an amazing one. It it really does. And I think it really strengthens just the the family value system, the unit right. that, you know, in a, in your kid, your children know that, you know what, there's always, you know, aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so or this family member or this close family friend that's like family. There's always someone, if you need to go to someone for whatever reason and you can't come to us, you can go to them. Right. And so they have like this bigger support system. That, yeah. And that's a really, that's a nice feeling for kids to have. Uh, and it's so necessary right now because uh, they've all had their own experiences too. They they could absolutely. have so much valuable input to share that, you know, right. from their perspective and their life experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's talk a little bit. Um, we've touched on it somewhat, but let's go into more on um, age appropriate discussions. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned it, you mentioned it a minute ago, like, okay, some people are just not ready to have that conversation about, you know, about gender and sex and all sure. those things. And, you know, a lot of in the past, you know, you were able to, if you were going to have it, you were pretty much able to put it off until t- the teen years. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not with the internet. <laughs> not with the internet and not with no. what is um, being, you know, brought up in, in school for right. a lot of right. super young, young, I mean, our babies, it's ridiculous. So, it so now your choice has been taken away from you mm-hmm. to have that conversation when you feel you and your child are ready right. and you are forced to, to, you're confronted with it now right. and before anybody's ready. So I don't know if you've got any if you've got any advice on that, because that's just, I can't even imagine my, my kids, thankfully are they're grown. They're in their thirties. I don't have to deal with that now, but I feel for everyone that does, because that seems like a very, very tricky, uncomfortable, tough situation. It, it is. And I, and I think that my best advice for parents is I'm not asking you to be your child's friend. You will get to be your child's friend at a certain point in life. And that will be the payoff of, of raising those kids. Um, I'm asking you though, that you are interested in your kids, that you're dedicated to your kids, that you are involved in their lives. You know who their friends are. You know how they feel about something. You are the one driving them back and forth from those sports or driving their friends around. Now, if you're a working parent, this is not me saying you should feel guilty that you can't be there every single time. 
But being involved doesn't mean you have to be a stay-at-home mom or dad. I'm just saying, make sure you know what's going on in your child's life because they're going to open up to you about the things they're hearing then and the things that are going on. My mom used to tell me when she would drive us around when we were younger, me and my friends, she's like, I don't know if you guys thought there was like an invisible window, like me driving and you guys back there and I didn't hear what you were saying. But my friends talked very freely in front of my mother. So she said her favorite place to be growing up with me was in the car with my friends because we talked. She Mm -hmm. heard all the gossip. She heard what was going on. So she felt like she was a part of it. So when things would come up in school or topics would come up, I never felt like my mom wasn't already part of the conversation. So be a part of your kids' conversations. Don't be a helicopter parent and, you know, what are you doing and what are you saying and all that sort of thing. Just Mm -hmm. be accessible and be aware of what's going on. Um, It's going to have to be reactive in a lot of ways. You're not going to be able to anticipate sometimes the things that they'll learn and do. But you and your tribe, you and your village, your friends that you have, have conversations about what's happening with your their children as well. What are they mm-hmm. learning? What are they feeling? Are they struggling with anything? Maybe that's going to give you insight too to maybe what your children are feeling or struggling with. Yeah. It's it's a community and it is an all hands on deck situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as you can anticipate, great, prepare yourself for it. But the way I think to prepare yourself, the parent or the caretaker, whomever you are, is being an active and present part of your child's life. Yep. That's so true. I mean, it really, it can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated. You just got to show up consistently. That's exactly it. Just show up. And that's what they, they crave. They Mm -hmm. crave that you are going to be present and be involved and take an interest in them. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be everywhere at one time. And I understand that. And again, I'm not asking for perfection here, just asking that your children know that you care, you're there and you're aware is basically what, you know, kind of going on. I think in, in terms of their, their health, their life, their friends, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, kids just like adults want to feel heard want to be seen. All of those same rules apply. We never really grow out of wanting that. Right, right. Everyone wants to be acknowledged mm-hmm. and feel like um, if they have something to say that it's taken seriously, it has value. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that's probably maybe another um, good point um, as a reminder to parents, right, is if you are fortunate enough that you can get your your teen or your child to open up and start talking a little bit, they'll keep doing it mm-hmm. if they get a positive reaction from you, yes. if they get support, or if at least yeah. they get understanding and empathy, you know, just something rather than be, you know, having it be minimized what they have to say or you know, somehow dis- discounted um, right. or told that, no, you know, that's not the right way to think about this or don't do that. Or I don't have time for more of this. We'll talk later. I mean, all of those things, you have an opportunity depending on how you react to what they're sharing, right? To, Absolutely. Reaction to, is everything. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have one chance to make a good first impression with them about it. If you have a bad or a negative reaction to the first time they're opening up to you or they feel judged or shamed, they're not going to do it again. Right. Yeah. Because why would they? Why would <laughs> and you wouldn't as an adult? I mean, you, you, you'd spill your guts to your friend at one point and they make you feel, you know, uh, that embarrassed or they, they judge you and you're just like, well, I'm never going there again. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, you know, don't, don't ruin that shot you know, that you, that you have uh, with your kid to, to start creating that foundation because, you know, they say little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Well, I I understand that saying, but also I think little kids can have big problems too. And it's big to them. You can't Mm -hmm. minimize that. You know, it might seem like a little issue, but for them, it's their whole world. You know, you be, you're in high school and you think it's never going to get better. Sometimes high school is a really hard time. You think you can't even see past it. And 
your parents look at you and think you'll get through it. It will be okay. Whatever. We all go through this. But when you're that sophomore in high school, that's going through it, you're like, literally nothing else in my life matters. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that's killing me. Mm -hmm. So minimizing people's pain or what they're going through and saying, oh, you'll just get through it or, you know, whatever, just, you know, I, you don't want to discard something like that. Even if the message is just keep going, it will get better. The delivery of that matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and how, is there something that we can do better to help you? Mm -hmm. How can, how, you know, whatever the, the struggle is or the challenge is, whatever is up for them, you know, besides all of those wonderful things, I mean, don't forget to say, is there something we could do a little differently? that would help you. Yes. Perfect. Beautifully right? said. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to say too, well, before I lose the thought teaching, <laughs> you said this a few minutes ago, teaching your kids that are old enough to understand what you mean by this, how to read the room is so important. <laughs> Just giving them a few basic pointers. I mean, a lot of adults should probably learn that too. Um, yeah, so yeah. maybe it's something you can all learn together. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure if you Google it, there's like seven ways to learn how to read the room. Kind <laughs> <laughs> right? Google everything these days, but whoever thought you'd have to learn to do that? Doesn't that seem like, how do you teach someone to do that? You mm -hmm. know, I bet it, it seems like that should just be instinctual, but honestly, it's, it's, it's something that I think is a new skill that needs to be taught. And I think we yeah. all probably need a refresher course at it, you yeah. know, and, and that also comes down to self-awareness. There's a yeah. lot of layers to that reading the right. room. So, right. um, but I think it's a good thing to have a, you know, a conversation with your children about what does that mean? I think so too. I just, I wanted to really kind of just emphasize that because I think it's really important. Um, and then the other thing too, I think is, <clears throat> excuse me, with what is going on, now with just everything chaos everything seems to be chaos on every level mm -hmm. so what do you think about you know how can parents keep reminding themselves i guess that okay this this chaos this stress this um uncertainty these are these are opportunities for teaching moments yep right I always say that in life that you have to control what you can control and there's always controllables. There are always, you know, when you have to kind of give the, the things you can't control up to whomever it is, if it's God or the universe or, you know, the void, whatever you want to call it, yeah. you have to learn what you can control in life. And I think when chaos is going on around you, my advice to my friends and family has always been in the moment of chaos, there is a place you can take control. There always is. And so that's the lesson you need to teach your children and teach yourself is that when you're feeling that you're spinning out, how do you get that control back? And maybe it's this simple. Maybe it's the world out there hurts right now and it's scary and I don't want to really be a part of it, whether it's the pandem pandemic or racial issues or whatever it is, it hurts and I don't want to be a part of it. I need to retreat for a minute. Well, what does that mean then? Maybe that means you turn off the TV. You don't need to have it on 24 seven. And maybe that's your way of getting control saying, I don't need to take that in right now. What I need is to put on some music and light a candle and just be alone with my thoughts or read a book or whatever it is. It's the simple little actions that you can take that regain bits of control. Because everyone thinks when you talk about controlling the situation that you're gonna fix the situation. Yeah. That's not what it is. You're trying to control what you can and controlling yourself is the only thing you have control over. Exactly, I couldn't have said it better myself. Your mindset, your attitude. Right. how you're how you're responding rather than reacting all right. of all of those right. things and i i think too that this is um and i a lot of people have been doing this throughout this whole craziness that's been going on for over a year now is coming back to uh some things that are just all about okay to your point what can we control we can we can literally have family time that we weren't having before right we can we can just sit down and we, we can make a meal together or enjoy the meal together or 
play a board game together, right. you know, watch a movie together, uh, you, you know, just those types of things are just, I think they're such an important part of the, the fabric of your, of your family foundation that that's just one opportunity that's presented itself. And I understand it's easier said than done a lot of times. I mean, I know there are a lot of people that are, you know, this has been going on a long time now and, no. and kids are like, okay, I can't play that game, you know, for the, <laughs> for you know 500 times right. <laughs> like, everyone's sick of each other now they're like right. i need to be around yeah. other people so right right we're bouncing off the wall so i understand that but you know if you if you really um if you try hard enough you will continue to just get creative and find things that you can do that keep your family keep your kids sort of in the present moment and out of the fear of what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, right. you know, that fear of uncertainty about the future is just, it ruins all of the, the present moment. Right? right. And, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't mean that things don't need to be tended to and planned for, but right. it also means you don't have to destroy all of your today's right. worrying about the tomorrows. Right. You do what you can do. Right. And Absolutely. then. Absolutely. You know, and the only thing we, we know to be true is that nothing stays the same yeah. and nothing's forever. And, you know, you look at even the pandemic itself, you know, when the Spanish flu and all those things mm -hmm. happened in, in our past, you know, I remember watching the news one day and it was just, it was just doom, doom, doom and gloom, gloom, gloom. And I'm thinking to myself, we have to look back at history. Eventually it does get better eventually yeah. we will go back to normal. And that's why I always hated that phrase, the new normal. I'm like, no, we, it's the for now normal. <laughs> we are going to go back to normal because that's what science is allowing us to do. You know, where we, there's hope at the end of the tunnel or light at the end of the tunnel, I should say, and hope at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's this idea that if you sit there and wallow in this idea that it's always going to be this way, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel survivable. And to mm -hmm. a child, you don't want to tell them that this is how it is and it's never going to get better. And you're just going to have to learn to deal with it. No, everyone needs hope in their life and something to look forward to. And I always said to myself during the pandemic, every day you were one day closer to the end of it, of the, not the end of your life, but I mean, I guess that's true too, but you're one day closer to the end of this pandemic, you know, and you're, you are, I mean, that's just, yep. the, that's what happens in life. So for now, take control where you can find your joy, where you can mm -hmm. find your support, where you can, it, it's about surviving the moment. And right now, parents, I know the word, the buzzword for yourself for 2020 and even parts of 2021 here is survive. That's really what it is in every different way that you can define that word. Remote learning, survive it. Lockdown, survive it. All these different things. And so sometimes you're in that circle of survive and thrive. And I think we all feel tired of surviving and we want to get to the thrive part. Yeah. But the good news is, we're seeing that now start mm -hmm. to happen where that can come back. But right. life is a circle and you need to teach your kids that it's not always going to be easy and it's not always going to be fair. Yeah. And, you know, we were not, we were never promised a perfect life. So yeah. you have well, to learn. So true. So true. This, you could literally position it as this is practice. This <laughs> we're just practicing. We're practicing our resilience. We're practicing right. our survival, you know, mentality. We're right. practicing so that, you know, when this phase is through and if there should ever be another, uh, you know, hardship type of phase, right? no biggie, you're prepared, you're ready. And you already now know that oh, we got through stuff, tough stuff before we'll do it again. Right. You have to know that you can handle it. I think that's what, you know, it makes you stronger. And mm -hmm. I think all of us should, you know, get a little pat on the back, a little badge of honor after all this and be like, yeah, we, yeah. we were stronger than we thought. You know, it's that Winnie the Pooh phrase, you know, they're stronger than you know, have more courage than you think, or all of that. And I'm not even, I'm not quoting it correctly, but it's true. I yeah. don't think any of us realize how strong you are until you have no other choice. And that's what we saw here. We saw exactly. humanity band together and say, Mm -hmm. we're going to be strong. Yeah. So yeah, making sure that we're conveying that message mm -hmm. to our kids. Yes. It's, it's yeah, so important. That was awesome. 
Do um, do you have time to share a going rogue story with us? I would love to. I would love to. It's the it's the best question to ask me currently because I don't know if I would have had an answer to the question even just a few weeks ago. Mm. So going rogue, the way I've kind of defined it is, you know, when I, I took a leap of faith and decided to be brave and just do something different against the grain. So um, I'm 35 and I made a promise to myself years ago that if I was not married, that I would freeze my eggs and consider having a baby on my own. And so I turned 35 um, in the fall, in October, I will be 36 coming up this year. And I am happy to say that um, just this past Friday, I returned home from Colorado where I went through an egg retrieval surgery. And um, it was successful. I got a bunch of eggs, which is great. I have to go back in June and do a second one because I have opted to do unfertilized eggs and also fertilized eggs by donor sperm. Um, and this round I fertilized all of them. And um, now I'm waiting to find out about all the testing. But the plan is after my second retrieval in June um, that I will start another round of IVF to try and get pregnant. Wow. So I never thought I would ever say those words out loud that I would be attempting um, single motherhood by choice. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those situations, folks out there listening, that I can't control whether or not I fall in love today, tomorrow, or ever, but I can't control whether or not I'm a mom, and that's something I want, so I'm taking control of my life. That is a fantastic going rogue story. And I'm pretty sure out of the, well, hundreds that I've received, that's the most, I, that might be the most unique one. That's amazing. I did not see that one coming at all. I mean, you know, I mean, they're all always great. And one of the reasons that I asked them, because I think it's so um, awesome to be able to share a story like that, that you've made it decision that was, you know, really maybe unique or you were going in one direction and then you totally spun around and went in another direction, whatever. It's it's going rogue by your standard, right? right. Um, right. And, then, and then it just gives other people um, kind of a little bit of inspiration to maybe do something that they might consider a little crazier, something they were afraid to do, but it's really calling them. So our, back to our demonstration, we give other people um, kind of permission to do the same and it, it encourages right. them. So that was uh that was a fantastic story thank you for sharing that that's and it's so that's like super personal and and it's major i mean you're you know you're want to you want to make a person you're gonna make a person and you're <laughs> i know I, I i can't believe i'm attempting to do that either but you know it's um it feels right. And I'm leaning in, I'm leaning into the courage to do it. And I would never be able to do it if I didn't have a village to lean on. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm excited for this next chapter. I'm yeah. excited for, oh. for the possibilities of it. And for any of you out there that, you know, need an, an, a nudge to be a little brave today, yeah. be, be brave. You've got nothing to lose, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of soul searching, but you know yourself. And I spent time and thinking about it a lot and talking about it a lot. And I'm scared. I am so scared. And I, I, I want people to understand that, that going rogue doesn't mean you feel comfortable. Most of the time right. when you do something like that, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but it's not the scary that like, I see a clown and I'm scared. It's the scared like, oh, this is exciting scared. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's a lot of like nervous excitement and anticipation. And, you know, it's a step into even though you've been literally a professional. I mean, I can't imagine anyone more equipped and skilled than a professional <laughs> nanny to decide to be a mother. But uh, uh -oh. but still, it's still, you know, it's 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 your process now. It's going to be your journey. And right. so that is going to be new. I mean, you know, you, you, of course, will come with built-in instructions, unlike most of us, but, <laughs> you know, but an you experience. Know as much experience as I may have, it is when it's yours, when it's your child, yeah. it's the first time you're going through it yourself and all that it's, you're all in it together, you know, it's, it, right. it, 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 and so that's why I think it's, it's really cool to, 
to be bonded in that way to other people where you kind of all are part of this little club together once you've done it. Like even when I was in Colorado and going through all of it, I was talking to other women who were doing it and they said, you're now part of this little secret society of fertility. And they always say, you know, when you know, you know, and you know, if you know, you know, and, and I didn't realize what they meant until I started going through it. And I was like, now I know what it's like to go through shots every day and all, you know, all of it. And so, um, sometimes it takes, you know, that life experience before you can feel, that really deep empathy and, and for, for something, mm -hmm. um, it's easy to say, you know, I, I, that must be hard or I, you know, I, mm -hmm. I try to imagine how it feels, yeah. um, but there's just a different level of mm -hmm. understanding that comes with actually going through it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like when um, somebody you know loses somebody close to them. If you haven't had that experience yet, you know, you can logically, you know, you can be compassionate. You can imagine, try to imagine what they're going through and you can be empathetic and all, and all of those things. But until you go through it yourself, right. there's some layers that you just don't hit until... Right until you're in them yourself right and that's what parents always say too about becoming parents you mm -hmm. know once you've got that kid and you're like okay now i understand what it means to love in a different way people always talk about loving in a different way mm -hmm. until you know i'm looking forward to knowing what that unlocks in me you know i know what it feels like to love but i haven't experienced that part of my heart yet because you know it's got a little key that my baby's holding so yeah wait until to wait till i get her to unlock yeah. it Oh, that's a great metaphor. I love that. It's so appropriate. That's perfect. Oh, my dear, this has been just wonderful. I'd love before I let you go, because I know you have a lot going on, but I'd love for you to share, um, you know, your social media or your website, wherever you want to send people to find out more about you. I would love you to go to my IG, Windy City Nanny. I am constantly on there and I answer every DM I get. So never feel like you can't reach out to me. I'm here for you. I always like to think of like the friend that you want to go over and sit on the couch with and chat. I want to be that friend virtually for you. So please feel like I'm here. Um, and uh, Windy City Nanny, my website, you can go take a look around. I have blog after blog about different topics that we've even touched on today and many more. Um, but like I said, I really want you to feel like I am that virtual hug you need or that pep talk or whatever it might be. We're all in this together. I want you to feel seen, heard, loved, valued. I always say three things. You need to build your village, let love in and ask for help. And, and, and that's what I'm here to help you do. Beautiful. That was awesome. Thank you so, so much. This has been delightful. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. There's so many oh other things gosh, that would be fun me to too. What dive fun into. Chat. I know. I, I would I would be honored to to see you again. Well, that would be wonderful. I think you will, because uh, I've already got a couple of things. I'm like, ooh, I need to talk to Florence Ann about this and this. So you will be hearing from me again. But uh, but thank you for today. And and uh, everyone, that is a wrap. I, uh, I'm so glad that you hung out with Florence Ann and I. And uh, hopefully you feel more confident about having some conversations with your kids, whatever their ages are about current events and where things are headed and, and anything else that is up for you. So please, um, please share this with anyone that you know that could probably use a little bit of inspiration around that topic. We have to spread the good shift around you guys, so don't be shy. Make sure you share it and uh, give us a review. That would be delightful. It really helps inspire other people to listen to all of the good stuff we're sharing here. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay healthy. Stay engaged with your kids and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. That goes for you too, Gary Vee.